0: Good morning, everyone. Please turn to Philippians chapter 4. It's on page 1674 of your church Bibles, reading from verse 1 through to 13. And Paul writes Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, Help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding I can do all this through him who gives me strength.
1: Miv, when she started grade one, uh, no, reception. So that's her class queuing up outside. And look at Miv's face. All these, most of the kids are nervous, a bit worried about beginning school. Here's Miv. She couldn't wait. She was absolutely delighted. She was more than ready to begin school. And, you know, she wore this sort of grin, this smile on her dial for pretty much the whole first week. So it's probably um, easier for us to define the negative. So we know when we're not happy. So our health might frustrate us. Um, We might have relationships that are draining and stressful. We have genuine worries about paying the bills. Or maybe Sunday night makes your stomach churn because you're thinking about school or work the next day on Monday. And of course we have national natural disasters going on so what's the answer how can we find happiness well we're looking at um part of this letter to the philippians so this is from the apostle paul and there's an outline in the leaflet there if if that kind of thing helps you so just some context this apostle paul is writing from prison you know his mission's going that well is in prison and yet he writes, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Now, this sounds like, it sounds a bit like an interview for some, uh, promoting some self-help book on the Oprah Winfrey show or something, doesn't it? The secret. Well, we'll get to that secret later. Anyway, Paul's writing to Philippi. That's it's on the eastern edge of Europe. And it's a really good church. And he's, he's writing primarily just to encourage them. In, in how well they're going but of course it's not a perfect church so two of them Euodia and Sintiki, I think so ladies who've got babies on the way if you're looking for names there's a couple for you Euodia Sintiki I think I think it was better than the original Canadian thanks Michael the, well those two have fallen out and we don't, we don't know what about but Paul's advice is first heading don't be true to yourself don't be true to yourself. So have a look at verse 2 there. I plead with you, Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Of the same mind. So this um, appeal to their mind, to the mind, is an appeal to the objective fact of their identity in Christ. And that's who they are. Because they're no longer just Euodia and Syntyche. They are Euodia in Christ and Syntyche in Christ. And this call for unity in Christ is all the way through the letter. So in, if you want it to flip around, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one, the one spirit, striving together as one. For the faithful gospel. Or chapter two, verse two. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Verse two, verse five. In your relationships, have with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So they're Euodian Christ, sintoniki in Christ. They're one. The same's true of any Christian, anyone who is fundamentally in Christ. So that defines, helps to d- define our our searching for happiness. If we're at odds with the mindset of Jesus, then we'll never be content. If we're at odds with the mindset of Jesus, we'll never be content. So how does this compare... Um, with what our culture says about happiness and identity. Uh, well, I've turned to the experts, the institution who really know what's going on under the surface of the Western world that do the most research, really identify the issues, Disney. So what they worked out, worked out, have got Pinocchio, uh, a wooden puppet who wants to be a real boy and then he'll be who he really is and be really happy. We've got Little Mermaid. She wants to be human, have legs, and then she will be happy. We've got Aladdin, who wants to be a prince to get the princess, and then he will be worthwhile, someone important, and then he will be happy. The princess and the frog uh, just needs to work harder, dig deeper to get what she wants, and then she will be happy. Uh, Lightning McQueen, McQueen in cars has to be the winner, and then he'll be happy. Or Zootopia gets really confusing. Anyone can be anything, and that is what makes you happy. Um, Wreck-It Ralph wants to be a hero, not the villain, and then he will be happy. So you get the idea. That's all sorted then, isn't it? Disney's sorted us out. The Disney doctrine is to discover yourself, be true to whatever it is you discover, and follow your heart, even if it means disobeying your parents or whatever the consequences Then. All your dreams will come true. But the trouble is, our feelings can be tyrants. Our striving to make ourselves happy can become a slavery that leads to unhappiness. See, there are consequences of making ourselves what happiness is all about. So even just in the Disney stories, um, Uh, Ariel's dad becomes a seaweed plant in Ursula's garden. Aladdin nearly condemns the world to rule by evil Jafar. Pinocchio gets him and his friend turned into a donkey, swallowed by a whale, and gets his dad swallowed by a whale too. I mean, these are just stories, but yet the idea there is consequences to making ourselves what our happiness is all about. So, a young person is true to who he is. He doesn't want to look like a pushover and lose the argument So he refuses to back down and the friendships end. A worker is true to her potential. So she wants to find happiness in a fulfilling career. So she puts the extra hours in. She's strategic about the friends she makes and church drops off the radar. A husband and a wife, newly married, want to stay true to who they are. They don't want to lose their individual identity. So they keep up relationships and hobbies as if nothing had changed and it soon impacts the marriage. It's consequences to insisting on being true to yourself. And Jesus' mindset is pretty much the opposite of being true to yourself. Let's find this verse. Do nothing, this is from Philippians 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Uh, Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So this is the mindset of heaven, an attitude of selfless, sacrificial love that puts others first. And Jesus kept this mindset all the way to the cross. He put our interests, our right right relationship with God before his own. So being true to ourselves, not true to God, is second rate. And that's what sin is. We were made to love God above all things, including ourselves, including our own happiness. Loving God more than that. And Jesus paid the price and took the punishment for our sin so that we can live forever in right relationship with God. So true contentment, not the fleeting feeling of happiness and self-fulfillment, true contentment is found in having Jesus' mindset. So from our Western mindset, we can look at our life, especially if you're a Christian, and think, look where I've got to unfulfilled job and family ambitions behind my peers and most things in life not as much travel and stuff as I'd hoped for but with Jesus mindset look where I've got to saved by grace with my sense of self rooted in Jesus in who he is and what he's done and sharing that firm foundation with my loving brothers and sisters in Christ Knowing the joy of sharing with them so that they have enough. Being unworried by work because work is important but it doesn't define me. Being content with my family situation um, because that's the situation God's given me to be faithful in. Not being jealous of my peers because I want their needs fulfilled more than I want my own fulfilling. Pursuit of happiness by being true to yourself is a trap. It's a con. And it withers into insignificance compared to the riches of having the mindset of Jesus. So that's our first point. Don't be true to yourself. Be true to Jesus. Have his mindset. And our second point is don't rely on your feelings. Don't rely on your feelings. Instead, find joy in the objective fact of peace with God, depending on him in prayer. Find joy in the objective fact of peace with God. So have a look with me from verse 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So these verses tell us how to respond to knowing the fact that Jesus has won us peace with God, rather than responding based on how we feel. So what's with that ver- verse 4 there? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Are we supposed to face up to genuine pain and suffering with our fingers in, ear- in our ears saying, go away sadness, like joy, 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 joy. Just being complete denial. Well, no, this isn't asking us to pretend that everything is okay. Now, Paul, who wrote this letter, describes times when he was distressed and when he'd experienced sorrow on sorrow. When he despaired of life itself. All feelings that Paul's expressed. So he's not ashamed of these feelings. He just assumes them to be true. We should expect to suffer. And we don't have to like it. But we can rejoice in the Lord. In the peace that we have with him. Regardless. So what about verse 5 when he says, let your gentleness be evident to all? So it, can, it can't mean roll over and give in to any opposition. Because earlier in this letter, he's told us not to be afraid of opponents. And he's called false teachers, dogs and evildoers. So that's, it's hardly a kind of attitude of put up and shut up, just roll over and take it. And verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. That isn't just a sort of, Bobby McFerrin singing, Don't worry, be happy. I've got that A-worm in you now. It's not just singing, Don't worry, be happy. It's not about being carefree by just not caring. No. Each of these responses, rejoicing, gentleness, not being anxious, isn't a response to feelings. They're the subjective outworking heart on the sleeve of what we know objectively the facts of who we are in jesus and the peace of god that verse 7 jesus has won for us so not response to feelings but response to outworking of the facts of who we are in christ So I'm not saying that um, emotions or feelings are bad. No, they're good things, gifts from God. And Jesus himself showed great extremes of emotion. But he didn't base his confidence in God on those feelings, those emotions. He didn't decide what to do based on feelings. See, uh, emotions are complex and unreliable things. know they can be changed by cheese you know that's how reliable emotions are that's why one of the reasons why up front the way we do music here our service leading and playing of music you won't usually see uh, showy displays of emotion and you won't hear our song leaders trying to generate a particular emotion in you what we aim to do is um, have the music loudly enough that you ha- if you have an emotion you want to express to God, you're free to do that and you're helped to do that. But our approach is because we believe what it says here in Philippians, that it is the fact of our peace with God that is the basis of our response, not our feelings. So you might have an emotional response as we sing. You don't have to be the frozen chosen. You can occasionally take your hands out of your pockets. Now I'm just saying you, you, you can express yourself how you want to within, you know, within reason and orderly service. But uh, be, show, shows of emotion not a prerequisite for knowing peace with God and responding faithfully. The long-term outlook Uh, for those belonging to Christ, is to enjoy God's presence directly with no tears, no death, no mourning or crying or pain. In other words, we know our future is to be perfectly content all the time and knowing that can spur us on through the tough times in the here and now. So yes, bad stuff will happen to the best of us, which may make us feel awful. But none of it can touch the deep contentment and security to be found in knowing we have peace with God. If we're um, relying on God for peace with him, then we can, verse 6, bring everything and every situation to him in prayer so that our hearts are guarded by this peace that is ours in Christ. So our reflex can be, not anxiety, but prayer. Being anxious is a closed loop. It's going over the problem, over and over to yourself, who can't provide a solution. Instead, go over and over it with God in prayer, trusting him with it. So don't be true to yourself. Instead, have Jesus Mindset. Don't rely on your feelings, but on the objective fact of your peace with God. And our third point, take the light an easy way. Take the light an easy way. How can we cultivate this having Jesus mindset? And how can we cultivate a reflex of prayer rather than anxiety? In other words, how can we cultivate this biblical joy and contentment rather than just fleeting happiness? Well, we can fill our minds with Jesus and his ways and follow them. Fill our minds with Jesus and his ways and follow them. Have a look from verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen me, seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So think about such things and put into practice, bit of an English lesson now, they are present continuous. So that is keep on thinking about and keep on doing these things. I mean, it's so simple and straightforward we're in danger of complicating it but here it is if you want to know this the deep peace contentment and joy that come from belonging to jesus think about these things and do them so is that you are you filling your mind with jesus and things of god are you doing that daily or is it just weekly Or maybe you've come back to church because it's been ages. I mean, we're all thinking about something and we're all putting something into practice. And the reality is that doesn't just happen to us. We can choose what those things are. So just to illustrate this, French beekeepers were surprised when their bees started producing green and blue honey. And they discovered that it was because of what the bees had been filling themselves with. So instead of collecting nectar from flowers, um, they were feeding on the remnants of colored M&Ms from a biogas plant four kilometers away. So what they produced was influenced by what they had put in. So what are you putting in? That last netflix series you binged was it a good thing to put in read your bible Uh, this is not rocket science is it this is application nearly every week but read your bible in an organized disciplined way and ask god to help you to do that read christian books download talks and sermons you can get the sermons from all over our trinity network um, Another couple of places I look at is the, the Gospel Coalition website. That's got good stuff on. And there's a church in England that Dave's visited once, I believe, um, that our network is kind of friends with called St. Helen's Bishopgate. Gate. So you write that down, St. Helen's Bishop's Gate. Just Google them. They're great series, great, really meaty talks. Good Bible-based stuff. The point is, fill your head with God's Word and put it into action. Never treat what you read, what you watch, what you listen to, who you hang out with, as if that's a neutral thing. Every, everything and everyone is giving you messages all the time. So weigh them up against Paul's list. Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? Is it true? Is it noble? Is it right, pure, lovely? Admirable. And don't just know, do. Put into practice whatever you have learned, received, heard, or seen. Put it into practice. So identify a more mature Christian to be a role model. Follow their example. Ask them to mentor you. Find Christians in the life stage ahead of you uh, and ask them how they got through it. Now, all of that sounds, can sound a bit hard, can't it? A bit sort of rulesy, like it could actually make you less happy, not more happy. What Jesus said, and this is really important, and I'll put it on your leaflets. Jesus' perspective on following him is this, from Matthew 11. Come to me, all you ho- who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's so much that can burden us and make us weary. Following religious rules, trying to prove ourselves, worrying what others think. But Jesus invites us to do two things. First, to cast our burdens, our chasing of happiness onto him, trusting him as our saviour. He gives us rest, not just a day off or a holiday, but a new status of our soul that is not self-reliant, but reliant on him. So cast our burdens. And secondly, He calls us to take his yoke and learn from him, obeying him as Lord. So a yoke was like the wooden bar fixed onto cattle to pull a cart or a plow. And it has become a metaphor for a body of teaching and a way of life. Or as we read in Philippians, uh, whatever you've learned or received or heard from Jesus or seen in Jesus, put into practice and the peace of God will be with you. And Jesus' calls come with a promise. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus tells us learning from him and following him is lighter and easier. You could say happier, I suppose, than the burden of chasing after being happy or, or chasing after any other way of living. Jesus shows us a realistic pattern of living Resting in reliance on him. We're called to join in. To proactively cultivate knowing and enjoying the fact of our peace with God. Jesus yoke is light. So fill your mind with him and his ways and obey him. It's it's easier than human systems or your own burdensome search for happiness. So to conclude, our final point in the outline Having the mindset of Christ, relying on the facts of your peace with God, turning anxiety into prayer, and filling your mind and actions with Jesus' ways. Through all these, the Apostle Paul has been learning to be content. Learning to be content. So, from verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So here Paul takes the idea of contentment being based on our self-sufficient, self-generated happiness, and turns it on its head. He's not even saying, so long as my basic needs are met, I'm content. No, he says, as much as when he has plenty, he says, content even in need and how I can do all this through him who gives me strength I guess the danger of a talk like this is I could leave you with the idea that if you only do enough you too can be content in all situations well that's not what Paul says is it Paul says he he doesn't say I've got it all together and therefore I'm always content No, Paul says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So the application still stands. Don't worry about being true to yourself. Have the self-sacrificial, humble mindset of Jesus. Don't rely on your feelings for contentment. Find contentment in the unchanging, dead certain facts that you are saved by Jesus and have peace with God. Don't get stuck in a closed loop of anxiety, but cast your burdens onto Jesus in prayer and fill your mind with good things, things of God, follow Jesus' ways. But don't chase after these things under your own steam. Don't turn doing all of that into you chasing after happiness. Rather, ask God to help you do all these things in his strength, relying on him to be content in all circumstances. Let's do that together now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we know for sure we have peaceful, right relationship with you through Jesus. Please etch that truth in our minds Help it to be on the tip of our tongues, in the very pattern of our thoughts. Please give us your strength to turn to you in prayer before we turn to anxious thoughts. Please give us your strength to say no to filling our mind and actions with rubbish. And instead fill our minds and lives with your word from the Bible, from Christian teaching, from hanging out with fellow believers and obeying you in our behavior. Lord, we are helpless to do any of this without you. And we ask you for your strength to be content in all circumstances and keep us from chasing after happiness as an idol. Amen.